0: Well, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18, Uh, Luke chapter 18. So I'm going to read from 9 to verses 9 to 30, but I want us to focus on verses 15 to 17 uh, as we come to think together about God's word. Uh, Before we read, let's just bow our heads again in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help and discernment as we read and then as we seek to understand your word that is set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke 18, verse 9, Jesus starts with a parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. For I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the one, the other, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants, to him, that they might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus, looking at him with sadness, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in age to come eternal life. Amen. So our service today will conclude with the baptism of one of our children, uh, one of our covenant children. And so I want us to think together about uh, verses 15 to 17. And this is a passage that has parallels in Matthew And Mark's Gospels, uh, they're almost identical, not quite, there's some slight differences, um, but they're almost identical. And as you read those verses, you will have noticed that the passage does not mention the question of baptism at all. And because of that, some people will immediately dismiss this passage as being in any way relevant to baptism. Or who should be baptized? So the great preacher, uh, the great Baptist preacher of the 19th century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who you cannot but love. <laughs> it's, it's a delight to read his sermons. And, uh, and you can only just wish that you were there, present, uh, to hear him preach. A wonderful preacher. And yet... When he was preaching on one of the parallel passages in Mark uh, it was a sermon entitled children brought to Christ not the font <laughs> which is a great line children brought to Christ but not the font and uh, in his first point in his sermon you can find it online in his first point he says this text has not the shadow Of the shade of a ghost of a connection with baptism. There is no line of connection so substantial as a spider's web between this incident and baptism, or at least my imagination is not vivid enough to conceive one. And I think he would have said the same about this Luke passage. However, this is a passage that shouldn't be so easily dismissed. It's not imagination that you need to make the connection. It's just a sound covenant theology that you need. We have, uh, um, uh, we have uh, been studying God's covenant over the last few weeks. And uh, you need to understand, therefore, how God's covenant works to then make sense of the new covenant And uh, how that plays out uh, at the coming of Jesus. And we've covered all that ground. Um, And uh, so I won't rehash all those arguments here. You can go online, you can go to our website, you can listen to the sermons and uh, catch up there. But what this passage does for us is that it places children... uh, It talks about the relationship between the children of believers... In relationship to the uh, the kingdom of God. Which is of course one of the ways in which God's covenant arrangements come to the fore in the new covenant. That's what we covered in our series. All the talk of the old covenant, uh, the covenant in the Old Testament, uh, tends to fall into the background as um, we mentioned three things. Uh, Christ comes to the fore. uh, The kingdom of God comes to the fore. And the church comes to the fore. But behind it all is covenant. And so when he speaks about the kingdom of God, he's really speaking about the outworking of the covenant um, that we've been studying together. Um, The kingdom, of course, is founded upon God's covenant promises. And God's one eternal covenant has a place for the children of believers. So this passage. Though it doesn't mention explicitly baptism. Uh, it does speak about children. In relationship to the covenant. Of uh, the kingdom of God. And therefore it's relevant. To the arguments. Why children are to be baptized. Now these verses. Have, uh, have challenge. And application to this debate. About infant baptism. Verse 15 kind of sets the scene that people bring their children to Jesus. And, uh, and then verse 16 uh, ought to challenge those who are used to baptizing only professing believers. But then, uh, and the thing about verse 16 is, if you believe that it's only professing believers, you want verse 16 to say something it doesn't say, and we'll look at that in a minute. And verse 17 then, Ought to challenge those who've, who've been baptized as infants and so presume on the basis of that that they are eternally safe because that isn't true. And you may not have woken up to the implications of verse 17 if you're baptized. And we'll deal with that as well. Uh, so there's something for everyone here. Here's the historical background to this passage. Um, here we have parents uh, bringing their children to Jesus. And Howard Marshall, one of the commentators, uh, comments that the historical background to this passage is the first century habit of parents bringing their children to rabbis for prayer and blessing on the, on the eve of the Day of Atonement. So this places it um, you know, sometime in October of the, our, our, our year. And when we are reading the New Testament, of course, we should always ask the question, why does the writer choose to write about this at this point? And if you know Luke's gospel, Luke uh, is is trying to make a case to his friend Theophilus. Remember he mentions Theophilus in the first few verses of the gospel. Uh, He's making a case to Theophilus, who is probably Luke's patron paying for him to put the account together. And he's making the case about the identity of Jesus. Who is this man, Jesus? And for quite a while in the preceding chapters, he has been writing about the kingdom of God. And Luke has been seeking to answer the question about the nature of the kingdom of God and how people are related to it. And so he now comes to the question of how are children related to the kingdom of God. And so I want us to focus our thoughts on the three main characters that are uh, in this this little passage. First of all, the disciples, and we'll talk about the disciples. Secondly, the parents who bring their children. And then Jesus himself. So first of all, the disciples. And the disciples need to keep an open path to all people, to Jesus Christ. The the disciples don't come out particularly well here. Uh, Parents are bringing their children, their infants to Jesus, but the disciples rebuke them and tell them off for doing so. Uh, They're kind of acting like bodyguards, protecting Jesus back you little children, all you people with little children, stay away. And they were treating babies and infants as undesirable, as though Jesus wouldn't be interested in them. And in response to this, Jesus speaks to those who hinder their children from coming to him. And we can only speculate of the motives of the disciples might have been, but John Stott, who wrote on this, caustically observes, it is a fact that few of the world's great religious teachers have been greatly concerned with children. We're thinking that through. Few of the world's great religious teachers have been greatly concerned with children. And it may be the disciples thought to themselves, these babies and children are just not significant in themselves for Jesus to be bothered about them. So they may have formed an idea of the mission of Jesus Christ that doesn't involve children. And so they try to turn the parents away. And Luke is seeking to show Theophilus and other readers like us how important children are to Jesus. And that's a challenge to me. And it's a challenge to all of us who are parents and to all of us Who are church members. And for us to consider. Personally. Whether there is anything that I am doing. Or not doing. In church or at home. In my life or actions. Or in my lack of actions. That is in any way hindering. Children. From coming to Jesus Christ. Is there an underlying attitude I have that issues in some behavior that hinders our children from coming to Jesus? So I remember, I remember one minister colleague who's now retired, who had a visiting preacher stay with him, uh, ready to preach the following Sunday. And my friend said he really valued the ministry of that man. Because he paid so much attention to his children who were quite young at the time. And it may be that the, the best measure of your true and my true spiritual maturity and kingdom mindedness is our attitude and to and interaction with children who come to this church. And I would urge you, and not just the parents but even those without children or those who have children who have long since left their home to get involved with the children in this church get involved in their lives take an interest in them play your part in helping them come to Jesus after all in the baptismal service later and all the baptismal services we've ever had in this church use a congregation promise to assist the parents in it so think it through What's your attitude to children? Secondly, parents should bring their children to Jesus. And firstly, note how remarkable it is that they come to Jesus at all. Um, it really is—if it really is the occasion the commentators think it is—it would be the most natural thing in the world for these parents to go to a known rabbi uh, to to ask for a blessing. But instead, they come to Jesus. What? Why? Why did they come to Jesus? I think the answer is really simple. They must have been believers. They must have heard Jesus' preaching and discovered that his preaching was quite unlike anything they had ever heard before. Nothing like the turgid, dry, academic, rabbinical discussions that were going on between the rabbis. But Jesus speaks with power and authority. As though he has come down from heaven. Which in co- of course he has. And their hearts burn. As they hear Jesus preach. And they believed in him. And they sought to follow him. They recognise his authority when he spoke. And they hear the Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God. And it makes their hearts burn. Who wouldn't want to bring their children to this rabbi for blessing? Secondly, it's undoubtedly a mixed group. Uh, This is because, I know this is going to get a bit technical, but uh, this is because the the gender of the personal pronoun at the end of verse 15 is masculine. Uh, When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. That them is masculine. Now, does that mean it was all men that were coming? No, it doesn't. If you have a, a, it may have been, but it probably wasn't. If you have a mixed group of people, male and female, then the Greek language defaults to the male. And so it is a mixed group of people. And So there may have been couples coming to Jesus. There may have been single men or single women. But the the important point is this. They're all believers who have heard about Jesus Christ. And here's the third thing. They brought their babies. Why do do I say that? It's clear from the words that Luke uses at the start of verse 15. And he's he's quite pointed about it. They were bringing even infants. Now the word there uh, is, is the word brefe, It's a plural. Brephos, singular. And brefe is a word that is used either for children in the womb, unborn, or infants, newly borns. And it's true that in the parallel passages in Mark and Matthew, a different word is used, paideia, uh, paideia uh, little children. So, that, And that word could be mean older children. But Luke, quite pointedly, uses brefe. infants. And it's true that Jesus answers by saying, let the children, the paideia, come to me. But you cannot deny that these paideia are also breathy. Infants that are coming to Jesus. And so Luke is quite pointed about the fact that among the children brought to Jesus for blessing are infants who have no idea what's going on. Interesting. Fourth thing about this. About parents bringing their children to Jesus. This is still a time when the covenant arrangements described in the Old Testament matter to the parents of children. The passage we read in Genesis 17 showed how important the place of children are uh, is in in the covenant of God. So there is no dilemma whatsoever for these parents bringing their babies, these believing parents, bringing their babies to the rabbi for blessing. With no doubt in their minds that Rabbi Jesus would bless them. All that mattered to the parents was whether Jesus would accept them. They had nothing to do with whether or not the child was conscious of what was happening, and even less whether the child was able to articulate that they had the faith, a, a, a believing faith. That had nothing to do with it. So what Jesus does here in blessing these children has nothing to do with the state of the child. But everything to do with the faith of the parent. And the grace and acceptance of Jesus himself. Which brings us to our final point. What was Jesus... Uh, Jesus says great things about children brought to him. What does he say about them? Well, he wants them to come to him. He wants his parents to bring their children. Whether they are infants carried by their parents or children coming on their own two feet with their parents. He wants them all to come. And if I may say to you children here today. Is everybody listening? Uh, Jesus holds out his arms to you, and he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. He loves you, and he wants to bless you. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus then goes on to say. Now, in this verse, uh, at the end of verse 16 and into 17, Some people take those verses as as Jesus saying the same thing in different ways. Actually, that's not true. He's saying two different things. The first thing he is saying is, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Uh, The AV has, the authorised version has, of such is the kingdom of God. It's a literal rendering. And... uh, Both these renderings have the idea of the kingdom of God being possessed there. Of them is the kingdom of God. To such is the kingdom, uh, belongs the kingdom of God. Uh, Now, who possesses the kingdom of God? Such, to such. What does he mean by such? It's very important to get this. He is not saying... To people who are like these babies but not actually these babies. That's what people often want it to say. He's not saying that. He says that in seventeen, and we'll come to that in a moment. But in sixteen he's saying he's not he is saying the kingdom of God belongs to these babies. Striking. And I say again, it depends nothing, not at all, on the conscious faith of the child. But it depends, crucially, on the faith of the parents and the willingness of Jesus to receive them, which he does. And Jesus is saying, therefore, that the kingdom of God belongs to such little children. In the same way that Israel belonged to every circumcised son of believing Old Testament parents. So the kingdom of God belongs to every child of a believer in the new covenant. And it's for this reason that believing parents must have no hesitation in bringing their child to be baptised. Just as Old Testament parents had no hesitation in presenting their eight-day-old sons to be circumcised. But here's the second thing that Jesus says, and this is now in verse 17. uh, Because Jesus now kind of begins to look at everybody, the disciples, the parents, everybody, and, and says in verse 17, Truly I say to you, These grown up, conscious, thinking adults. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is a statement directed to those who are conscious and listening, i.e., not the babies. And now he makes an analogy about the manner in which these hearers and observers are to approach the kingdom as a child. How do you approach as a child? Well, in complete helplessness and utter dependence on the grace of God. It is not your coming that gets you into the kingdom. It is not your qualifications that get you into the kingdom. It is not even the quality of your faith that gets you into the kingdom. It is wholly and completely dependent upon The grace of God in Jesus Christ who willingly receives all those who come to him. And so you come like a helpless babe. Not offering anything. The only thing you contribute to is salvation. What's that? The sin that makes it necessary. (laughs) Not a very good thing to contribute. But you come with nothing. You come with your hands empty to Jesus Christ. And this is the most glorious picture of how grace works. A helpless baby coming to Jesus. That's what it's like for you to come to Jesus. You come helplessly. And it's hard for people to get this. I know this. People always want to contribute something. They always want to think that somehow they deserve God's goodness and God's salvation. And if you go out into the streets of Solihull, as I do occasionally, and I begin to talk to people about Jesus Christ, and they'll come to you and say, but I'm a good person. I've done this and this and this. I think I'll be okay in heaven. And that's got nothing to do with it. Have you come to Jesus? That's all there is. Helplessly. Unable to do anything about your situation. Come as a child. Help us. And if I may clear up just one lingering thought about the babies of believers. So verse 16 says that the kingdom of God belongs to them. Jesus says so. But in 17, uh, we're told that they must receive the kingdom in order to enter into it. And if you like, it's as though the the child has this wonderful inheritance set aside for them, which rightly belongs to them. Yet at some point, they need to come into possession of it. And if they don't do that, they cannot have it. And therefore, children, too, need to grow up into a childlike, helpless faith and thereby receive the kingdom of God. For those of us who are parents, isn't this what we long for in our children? We want to see them personally stand firm on the promises of Jesus Christ, and to be able to say, without a shadow of a doubt, without any fear, any fears or reservations, but with open hearts, Lord Jesus Christ, I receive all that You promise me in Your blessing. Amazingly, if I may speak to the children, Jesus has already accepted you, because He always calls believing parents to bring their babies and children to Him knowing that the kingdom belongs to them. But now you need to receive it by faith as you grow up. This is the kingdom of God displayed in families, parents who believe in Jesus Christ and, and Jesus welcomes their children also who are the most, in the most helpless of states. And he pronounces his blessing over them and proclaims their rights to the kingdom of God. And everyone else is to come with a childlike faith, dependent on their Savior. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your goodness to our children, who have been, by birth have been born into the covenant blessings. And therefore it's right to baptize them. Thank you, Father, that you have blessed those of us who are believers today we thank you that you've blessed our children. And we pray, therefore, that you would help us to be, never to have any lingering thought that we have anything to contribute to our salvation, but instead to come helplessly as a child to our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask him in his name. Amen.